Welcome to another episode of the Jump Around with Blake Dudonis, my podcast on women's basketball. I'm really excited to be starting a new series today on the Pac-12. If you've been listening, you know I've been doing uh, an SEC preview with most of the league's head coaches. Still have a couple more to get, but we will get to them eventually. But I wanted to get going with the season right around the corner. And joining me first, it's Cal head coach Lindsey Gottlieb. Lindsey's someone I've gotten the chance to know over the past few years. A really good coach and someone I just genuinely enjoy being around. Uh, she is just a good person. And so that's why I wanted to have her on first. And I'm excited that she's going to come on. She got married this summer. We're excited to talk to her about that. She has a really good team coming back, including senior forward Christina Nigue. This is a team that's got their top three scores coming back. And Lindsay's a coach who's been to a Final Four, took this Cal Berkeley team to the Final Four in just her second year. And I know they're trying to build their way back up in the tough Pac-12. So we'll talk to her about her team and her past. We'll talk to her about her personal background a little bit as well. She has a really interesting backstory that I want to get into as much as I can. And then, um, yeah, so we'll get Lindsay on the phone and we'll get right to it. Be right back. This is The Jump Around. Welcome back to the Jump Around, and joining me to kick off our Pac-12 coverage, it is Cal head coach Lindsey Gottlieb. Coach, thank you so much for for taking the time, and you'll forgive me for starting on a non-basketball topic, but pretty big life event for you this summer, uh, getting married. Congratulations. Well, thank you. First off, I've been been waiting for my invite to the Jump Around, so (laughs) thank you for finally having me on. I'm thrilled. Um, and yes, did have a wedding, is it almost a month ago now? So um, the baby is almost a year and a half now wedding, so we've been trying to cram as many life events um, <laughs> as humanly possible into a short amount of time. So yes. I don't know what's next, but um, got through the wedding. Yeah, well, uh, will, will you be willing to share some details of the wedding? Sure. What do you want to know? Well, uh, where was it? Well, was it was it a formal affair? I know you wore a yellow dress, very... Uh, very on, on brand for you, uh, wearing the cow yellow, always recruiting. I appreciate that. Um, but no, just, just tell us, uh, where was it? Uh, what kind of, um, what kind of, was it big? Was it small? I, I will say, I, I can't claim that as being the cow yellow, not to offend any cow fans. That's the Lindsay <laughs> yellow. Like that's been my favorite color for my whole life. So I said, you know, might as well get married in a, in a yellow dress feels more like me. Um, awesome. but the wedding was in Healdsburg, California, which is, um, uh, sort of a, a another Napa, you know, it's wine country. So it's about 75 miles from, uh, from Oakland, Berkeley area where we live. Um, so it's neat. It felt kind of like a destination, but not too far away. Mm. Um, and I, I, I'd like to tell people it was sort of an unwedding, you know, I'm, I wasn't the, the girl growing up planning, you know, some, some wedding with certain things in mind. Um, and when Patrick and I decided, you know, it was, we were certain that we wanted to get married, but when we decided that we wanted to do an actual wedding, with people, we wanted to make sure it was reflective of us, which is we just wanted a celebration of our family and the people, you know, that are that are really important in our lives. And so it wasn't like the, you know, look at me, look at us, this is what, you know, our day or anything it was more like, let's celebrate with the people that are really meaningful to us. And that's exactly what it was. So it was kind of like a, a, a maybe an upscale picnic, I like to call it. Um, <laughs> we were we were at like a vineyard um, type uh, wedding venue. So it was outside, got married under this majestic oak tree with vineyards in the background there were um kind of spaces for a little cocktail hour and 
uh, picnic type meal. There were food stations, you know, some fish tacos and sliders and all that. People cool. just hanging out. And then uh, we had an epic dance party in the barn right <laughs> on the site. So it was cool. There were a lot of um, former players from all stops at my coaching career, some teammates from college, you know, all the way through, um, you know, various stops at Richmond and Cal and Santa Barbara and then, uh, you know, Patrick's family and people. So it was, it was cool. It was a really neat mix. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, it was fun, fun seeing the pictures kind of flow in off, off of social media and, and certainly happy for both of you. Um, Thank you. I want to go back now. Uh, I'm going to continue to keep the focus on you before we move to your team. Um, something that I don't know how many people know, and, and you've, you've talked about it openly and we've, you and I have talked about it before, but, uh, your dad is, um, you, you're from New York originally, you went to Brown, but your dad went to Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. And that is remarkable to me that, uh, just, I don't know, that seems like one of those historic things that you never actually know anyone who was, you know, there or involved in it. And I'm just curious about... Uh, you're bringing up and and if if uh, that type of thing, maybe not even specifically you know him going to that speech, but just I, I'm curious about your upbringing and and it seems like um, you know maybe progressive for the time. I don't know if that'd be fair to to say about your your family. Yeah, um, gosh, I didn't know you were going to lead with my dad and family. That's cool. Um, Sorry. Always a good day to talk uh, about. Oh, that's okay. My father, but yeah, I would say that I grew up in a political household even before a sports household. It was probably both. Um, but, um, you know, my father was very, you know, politically active. He was always involved. And that's what a, a lot of our dinner table conversations were about, you know, what was going on in the world or stories about his life or, or his career. Um, so, um, yeah, they, they, my parents really laughed and told the story many times uh, before they you know, both passed away about what I was would come home from school and I, I they said, What'd you do in school today? And I said, Well we we learned about, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King and I have a dream speech and my father said, Well, I was there and they said I turned, you know, you know, looked white as if, you know, he had said he was with George Washington but, uh, when he crossed the Delaware. Like yeah. I had it was and I I couldn't understand that like how could my dad have been, you know, in something that was in a his, history book. Um but uh yeah, he was he grew up in New York City and got got involved in you know, local politics, things as, as small as, hey, the kids in a neighborhood deserve to have playing fields or uniforms for their baseball team. It didn't feel like, you know, at the time, I didn't know whether it was, you know, red or blue or Democrat or Republican mm-hmm. or what. It was more just, hey, you, you become involved in your community. Um, he was a New York State assemblyman before I was born. Um, he did give up the political career as, as they, you know, my parents had kids and he wanted to spend more time around, you know, the family. So he was in private law practice so that he could get to our games and do things, but he was always really active. And, you know, some of his best friends were important figures um, in the political world. You know, um, David Dinkins, who was the first African-American mayor of uh, you know, New York City, was was a good friend and came to the house and stuff. So it's, it's kind of weird to think about it um, now, but uh, I think it, 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 we were definitely a progressive household, but it was more based around, hey, you you become active in your community. You work to help other people. You do um, kind of, you know, get involved in things that are that are right in front of you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we did we did campaigns. We, we my dad took us to the polls to vote every year. Uh, yeah, I remember going to the Democratic convention um, when it was in New York City when when Bill Clinton was running for president the first time. So I guess that was at two thousand um, so. or nineteen ninety six. I can't, um, totally remember, but his friend gave up 
was a delegate and gave up his seat to me so I got to like sit with the delegates. A lot of cool cool things wow. that you know I, I realize now um, were were pretty spectacular. And of course, you know, we all wish we had our parents around forever to, you know, discuss things with. Yeah. Um, but I'm very fortunate that, you know, my dad was around for a long time where I could get so much of his knowledge and really his perspective on how you live life. I think that was the most important thing I got from him. Yeah, very cool. Well, I, uh, apologies if uh, if I caught you off guard too much there, but... Um, no, just... no, no, that's cool. Okay, well, thank you. Um, we'll, we'll, move, we'll move into the basketball world now. Um, with you, you're entering year eight at, at Cal, which I'm sure has flown by. That's everyone's like, I can't believe it's been been so long. But um, yes. one thing I'm, I'm curious about you... In year two, you go to the Final Four, and um, and you run to Louisville, and, and, and such a great run. And, and since since then, uh, you haven't been able to get out of the next round. Now, you've been in the tournament every year except one. And I just wonder, finding success at that level so early on, uh, did you feel that the expectations were, you know, as a part of making that Final Four have has it been a hindrance at all? Have you added any extra pressure on yourself where you go, hey, we made the Final Four year two. We, we need to be going every two, three years. You know, I just wonder what the mentality is when you do have such a good run early on uh, and how that affects you going forward. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I think what, what it did um, for me, first and foremost, was set the standard, right? Because that, sure. you know, that, that, Final Four team, and really the year leading up to it, you know, we were twenty-five and ten the year before, and kind of made a natural progression, and then ended up being, you know, whatever we were, you know, I think thirty-two and three or something like that, um, um, or thirty-two and four by the time we lost to Louisville. Um, it set a standard, not just of wins and losses, but what it should feel like, um, uh, and that is something that um, certainly, you know, I and we as a staff and program have been striving for since. So. A little bit, I think probably it gave me a false sense of, okay, like this coaching thing's pretty easy. <laughs> you know, you just get some really good players who love playing together and play hard and I'll, you know, get to the Final Four. Um, I don't think it has added extra pressure so much as it has added, you know, the carrot, the feeling of knowing what that feels like and wanting to get back there. And at the same time, you know, in the, the five, six years since then, there are really meaningful things that we do every day. There are um, there are important things and highs and lows and player and personal development that matter even in the years that you don't go to the Final Four. So sure. you know, anytime I go and speak somewhere, it's it's natural. They lead with your record and they you know say what year we went to the Final Four and when we won the Pac-12. But that that only tells part of the story. Absolutely. So I would say I'm as sort of grateful for these last couple of years that have not been quite as glamorous so to speak as the final four year um um and 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 the appreciation i have for what it takes to be that good yeah. and you know if we're ever fortunate enough to get back to that level in some ways i think i'll appreciate it even more because you know you, you realize how hard it really is to be that good yeah and, and let's let's be clear you've except for the 2015-16 season you've you've won 20 games every year um Excluding that season again, you've never finished worse than seventh in the conference. I mean, you finished second, first, second, third, fifth, seventh. So let's let's we're not. It's not as if you guys have not been good. Um, and interesting, I don't know. But, if, but you're talking about we want to be elite, and that that's that's, that's the piece right there. Like, no question about it. You know, we've had a lot of success here. The expectation is high. You know, 
Um, we, we, we really didn't lose, you know, very many conference games, you know, at all for those first couple of years, no. but you're right. You know, we've been, we've been really good. And I think that's the difference being going from good to elite in mm. a very finite, small, you know, yeah. line. And I think it's, it's exactly, but this is a group I think that we, we really feel like we can get back to elite. So we're, we're excited about that, but mm. that's the, the nuance part of the process that, uh, is a little tougher sure. than just being good. Yeah. Well, interesting enough, and I don't know if you you knew this, and I I did not know this until I researched it. Uh, your final four year, and then in 0809 under Joanne Boyle, those are the only two years Cal's been to the Sweet Sixteen or further. So, yep. um, not a lot of history, uh, really, in regards to being successful at the NCAA tournament level. Is that um, is that a product of you know? I don't know what that is a product of. You know, it's 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 rare to see that type of, especially with a school like Cal, which is obviously so uh, well regarded academically and other things. Are there any obstacles at Cal that maybe you didn't uh, foresee when you took that job originally a couple of years ago, and that have have been difficult or proven any any hurdles? I don't know uh, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, I mean, I think when I took the job as as the head coach, I, I was probably about as eyes wide open as any person taking a new job could be because I'd been here for three years as an assistant. Right. Um, I will say with some of the history, when Joanne Boyle took the, took the job in 2000, gosh, whatever it was, 2005, 2006, or, um, you know, ahead of that sweet 16 run a few years later, counted at 13 losing seasons in a row. We were picked eight out of 10 in what was then the Pac 10. Now that was a time when in general, Pac 12 women's basketball is not what you know of is being today you know there's Stanford and kind of everyone else and mm. every once in a while someone else would have a good year but it, there was no one else consistently good and at the time Sandy Barber was the athletic director here and she made a concerted effort to invest in women's basketball and said this is a place you know that has the things female athletes you know gravitate towards high academics great you know place to live um, uh, unbelievable conference and so she invested and you know we made a, a jump very quickly with that. You know, we had a good group mm-hmm. of players here that we inherited and went to the Sweet 16. And to be honest, I think that has, in a lot of ways, kickstarted many other Pac-12 schools have really invested since then. Um, I think that we've consistently been, you know, towards the top of the league since that time. But you're right. It's hard to make the Sweet 16. So we had, you know, she had the, the one group that went to the Sweet 16. Then we had, you know, the Final Four team. Um, you know, two years later, with, with um Boyd and Gray as seniors. We were a four seed uh, hosting um, and lost to Texas um, by, you know, I think one point um, in the the second round. And and that one kind of still really haunts me because I think that was a Sweet 16, could have been type of team, but it shows you how hard it is to make the Sweet 16. Um, So, you know, I came came back to Cal knowing that this is a place that, that can be, you know, not just a consistent top 25 team, but maybe take the next leap. And I think we're still in that mode of trying to, to get us there. And the, the rise of the Pac-12 in general, um, I think in some ways makes it harder, in some ways makes it easier, right? The, the league is so good now that you can be, um, you know, in fifth or sixth or seventh place and still make the tournament. But you have to really scrape and claw to be at the top of the league um, and, you know, Five teams from our from our league made the Sweet 16 last year. I think yeah. it's doable, but the competition within that upper echelon has become steeper. If that makes sense. Yeah. So um, I think it's a function of you know I think Cal's got got what we need to be at that next level, but I think it's consistently making the step of continuing to get the players, 
continuing to win big games that matter and then carrying that into postseason, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And, and and just to your point, last year you had you had a run of games in January and February where you played number 25 Arizona State, then you go to number 6 Oregon, and then you go to number 16 Oregon State, and it's like, my gosh, get, can, can we catch a break, right? You have that just kind of right. like murderer's row there. And But then you guys did finish the season on such a, a strong note, you, you ended up winning um, six of your last seven, and your only loss was at Stanford, and then you beat them uh, th- that weekend at home. And so um, you get into the tournament last year. You you play Virginia, and how fortuitous you play uh, Joanne. But um, you, you're without your best player, and I, I just wonder how difficult you. And you guys only lost by by f- uh, six. And so I just wonder when you. You're going into the tournament. You're excited. You, you know you feel good, obviously, about the matchup where, wherever you're playing. And then you have a blow where your best player can't play. How difficult was that going into that game, knowing, hey, we're down, we're down our stud. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not how you would draw it up, right? If you were, you know, <laughs> no. on a podcast in October, you know, playing out, <laughs> playing out your season. But you know, that being said, we we coach eighteen to twenty two year olds young women, and I would not change that. And I would not change that. First and foremost, the private party is going to be health and well-being of the people that we coach. And when someone can't can't play, you know, when, when, when someone isn't physically able, um, you, you know, you rely on, on who you are um, as a collective group, um, and you put your best foot forward. And so while I was disappointed in the outcome, we all want to win. Uh, we wanted Christine to be able to play. She wanted to be able to play, but I wasn't disappointed in the effort or the way we've represented our, ourselves. Um, and I think, you know, as we, um, you know, look over kind of the history of Cal women's basketball, and where we're going from here, um, I, I, I think, you know, disappointed in the sense of, you know, you want everyone to have every possible opportunity, but not disappointed in how we showed up that day. Is sure. that, um, yeah. You know, if if that makes makes sense yeah, to you, yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. And and um, I, I think uh, you know you don't ever want to lose a game. And I didn't know you know that Joanne was going to step down, you know, due to her family mm-hmm. situation after that. But I don't know if I would write that script differently either, because um, sometimes you know it's not just about you and what you're going through. Um, you know, for Joanne to be able to get that win before you know she stepped away from coaching. Um, is something that that I think um, probably ended up how it should have ended up. If, yeah. If uh, if you're with me on that. Yeah, I am. Uh, and if anyone listening is not familiar, you can go ahead and Google Joanne Boyle and and just with her fight for uh, getting her adopted adopted daughter uh, at home with her. But um, so with you guys, and again, I I, I hate to be uh, presume people know things, but you, that aforementioned best player you guys were without Christine Anigwe, who is back. Uh, you've also got Michael Caton, who was an all-freshman honorable mention. You got Asia Thomas. So your, your top three scores are back. So you got to be feeling pretty good going to the season, I'd imagine. And I mean, I, I don't expect any coach to say, no, you know what? I think we're going to stink this year. But you guys actually <laughs> have a lot of talent on paper coming back. Um, how, are, how are you feeling uh, going into the season? How, how have you guys looked so far in the preseason? Yeah, we, we feel good. I mean, in addition to the players you, you mentioned, um, you know, we have the return of, of, of Kiana Smith, who's now a sophomore. You know, she was a, a freshman point guard that played a lot of minutes for us. She kind of had a breakout game in that NCAA tournament. I think showed a lot of people what she's capable of. And that, that there's a pretty big jump from freshman to sophomore year. So she's, she's back, and we added a grad transfer. We've never taken a grad transfer before, but um, Rissé Caldwell, who spent some time at UCLA and then Texas Tech, mm. is uh, – 
is is on the roster now. So, you know, I like to I like to tell people, you know, we have a chance. And what I mean by that is we have a chance to be really, really elite. I think all right, the expectation here is that we're good and that we're going to be very good. But when I say we have a chance, it's to kind of be that next level good. Um, and, and to tell a quick story about the about the spring, you know, I'm, I'm a positive person in general. I believe in sort of, you know, positive coaching tactics and telling the players what we can be and what we can do. But I actually took a little bit of a different, you know, approach in the spring. And we're a team that, you know, when the ball goes up in NCAA tournament um, or, you know, in any type of big game, I think our players believe we can win. I think the opponents believe we can win. I think anyone watching says, oh, they can win that game. <laughs> But what I actually said was I put up analytics of all the 16 teams that were in the Sweet 16 that year. And I broke down a number of different, you know, statistical analytic categories, you know, defensive rebounding percentage, uh, points per possession, all these different things, and showed where those teams ranked in the country in each category. And what it actually showed is that we didn't belong in the Sweet 16 statistically. Um, it, it showed kind of over all these various measures, those teams were better than us. Hmm. And so what I, my message to the, the team was, sure, if we faced any of those 16 teams, I, I would be like, let's go. We can, we can play with anyone. Mm-hmm. But from, you know, last April through this November, I wanted them focused on doing all the things in the day-to-day grind that actually ensure that we're one of those 16 teams so that now ball goes up and we're not hoping, Hey, let's have a good day and beat one of them that we're, we should be the better team. We should be the team that's favored. Um, we should be the team with the better seed if we do all the things that we need to do. So our motto since then has sort of been embrace the grind, embrace the everyday, not just the big game days. Um, it's really fun to beat Stanford at home on our home court, which we did, but I, I want that to be more the norm where we're kind of day in and day out systematically taking people apart. So I think the players really embrace that in the offseason. I think we've got the most talent and pieces that fit together since the Final Four team, and I think we have a chance to be really good, but that we have to do it, and, and, and everything's talk until you actually go out there and, and the win that the games that you're supposed to win and set yourself up to have a long postseason run. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you guys are picked fifth preseason. Um, the league has kind of not flipped because certainly uh, that upper echelon is still the same, but maybe a little bit of shuffling. Obviously, UCLA graduated a bunch of great players. Oregon just seems to have things really cruising along, and, and that core of players are still having another two years, which you know that's your problem to deal with, not mine, thankfully. Um, with your... Uh, with your conference and the top of that conference, and also I, this part is interesting, the scheduling in your conference, right? You guys definitely have a, a little bit different of a build-in schedule. So a lot of times you will play a team uh, on a Thursday and then play them again on a Saturday. Uh, I guess just a compass, a, you know, take all of that put together, the difficulty, um, playing teams back-to-back sometimes. Um, what is life like in the Pac-12 besides brutal, which I imagine is a fair word to use? Yeah. So I actually think our conference schedule makes a lot of sense in that we're, we're, we're a Friday, Sunday conference for the most part. So um, Friday, Sunday, yeah, you know, excuse you, me. You, yep. You take, you take a flight, you go to like an area and play both schools in it. And, and the, the beauty of the Pac-12 is almost all the places you go are places you might take a vacation, you know, <laughs> Bay Area, LA, Seattle, you know. Um, so, you, you know, you fly to LA, you play UCLA on a Friday, USC on a Sunday or vice versa. You fly to Oregon, you play, you know, Oregon, Oregon State. So it, it actually makes a lot of geographic sense, and it makes sense in terms of, you know, from an academic standpoint. We don't miss a lot of school. You know, we leave on a Thursday, you know, usually after class. They only miss Friday of school. So you get into a rhythm. It's just that now 
there's no easy road trips. It used to be people say, oh, gosh, you come to the Bay Area, it's hard to get a win. Well, now you can say any road trip. It's hard, it's hard to go to Colorado and Utah and get a win. It's hard to go to, you know, Oregon, Oregon State, get a win, you know, the LA's. And so it's just, it's tough. You don't, you there's never a time when you look at your schedule and go, okay, cool, you know, we can get those three in a row and then have a tough game. It's just, yeah. it's it's brutal down the stretch. The, the, the team that you play back-to-back is your travel partner. So yeah. our travel partner happens to be, you know, <laughs> Arguably the, best, good the best, you know, coach in the women's game and Tara Vanderveer and, you know, one of the, one of the most great programs. So, yep, we get to play them back-to-back. Um, it's an interesting deal. Uh, we actually have the, the times that we've beaten them, and it has been on the second game, so kind of the run-it-back. We've yes. been more successful in the run-it-back game. Yeah, so, check it out. <laughs> um, uh, but, but there's no question that the quality of basketball in the Pac-12 right now is really, really high. There's a lot of great players. There's... Um, you know, very, very prepared coaches. I mean, it's just, it's hard to get a basket against Oregon State. Yeah, he's such a good defensive coach. And, mm. and Tara's game plans are, you know, known nationwide. And obviously, you know, Oregon's got, you know, that team that can really, really score right now. So it's it's not easy any night, but what you what you do end up is is really prepared. I think we were picked fourth. Um, and, uh, you know, last year, all top four teams were in the Sweet 16. So we want to aim to be better than that. But we also want to say if we're elite in this conference, then you're elite in the country. And that's, you know, the mindset that, that, that we have going into each and every weekend, you know, competing in the Pac-12. Yeah. Um, I wonder if I looked at the uh, the wrong poll. So sorry. Sorry to insult you. That's okay. I know. I think we were picked fourth. Yeah, I think it was um, Oregon – Stanford, Oregon State, us. Is that correct? Yeah, that might be right. I might have looked at it wrong, so I'm sorry. I, ASU's I could... really. I mean, ASU's got everyone back from last year, and they were they were good. I think uh, I think we snuck snuck ahead of them in the poll. But the preseason polls, you know, are just. I'm glad people respect our our players and the program. But gosh, it's going to be a battle, you know, to to finish at the top of this conference, and we're looking forward to to that challenge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What um, you guys have been um looking at your non-conference schedule. You've got a, a, a very solid one, and I noticed an interesting uh, swing, a road swing you have. You go out to Penn State, and then you come back to BYU just, just I think, two days later, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's uh, that's a, an, an, I don't know, odd, but it, it's definitely a, a different yeah. type of, of scheduling. I wonder, uh, was that intentional, or is that one of those things where just you had to plug it in where you had to plug it in? Right. So everything I do is, is intentional. You know, I, I try to control what we can control. I'm very thoughtful about the way we recruit, very thoughtful about the way we schedule. Um, that is an odd one. Um, <laughs> and it, essentially, you know, we had return, or, or it's the start of a home and home with Penn State, and uh, we have a return game to BYU. So um, it's not ideal in terms of the geographic nature of it, but we sort of felt like let's knock out um, the one big road trip together. And then, you know, you know the game well enough to know scheduling is not an exact science, right? You have to, you have to play when other people can play. You have to fit it in. Um, and so what we decided to do is when, when we travel all the way to the East Coast, we leave two days ahead um, to acclimate to the time. The other games, you leave one day ahead. So to play on Sunday at Penn State means we would minimize missed class time. Yes, mm-hmm. so we'll leave on Friday and only mm-hmm. miss that day when a lot of kids don't have classes on Friday anyway. Um, and uh, then Monday, I believe, is a holiday. Is it Veterans Day or something? So... Um, yeah, you know, so we'll be able to get from Penn State to uh, Provo, Utah after the game. You know, we'll have that that off day um, in Provo and then play. So it's a, it's, it's a lot further distance um, than we're used to going. But the rhythm of the game, the Sunday Tuesday, is a little bit more like Pac-12 play, um, and we'll make the best of it. You know, it's 
it's, it's, it's a challenge from a, from a geographic standpoint, but also, you know, two really good teams and uh, we want to schedule tough to be able to be uh, where we want to be RPI wise and, and preparedness for the PAC 12 and beyond. Yeah. Um, I'm going to finish up with one question about you and then I'll, I'll let you end on your team. You've, You've been a head coach now for like this is year eight, and then you did three years at Santa Barbara as a head coach, and so you've you've been in this business since what ninety nine I think right with Syracuse as an yeah. assistant. So and, and the thing is, you're still in your very early thir- or forties, and it's kind of rare to see someone with that much experience at still such a young age. And I just wonder if you if I talk to nineteen ninety nine first year assistant at Syracuse Lindsay. And I asked her, hey, what's it what's it going to look like in 20 years? Where are you going to be? Uh, you know, oh what, yeah. What what would she say? Wow, that's such a good question. <laughs> um, I, it, I, I literally have a 20 year college reunion uh, this spring. And um, I think I'm unique, a little bit unique in the in the business now in that um, I went literally directly from college to being a uh, to being a college student athlete to being an assistant coach, like the day after graduation is when I got the job offer from Syracuse. So, um, you know, some people play first. I wasn't good enough to do that. Other people get into ops or they have different ways of getting in now. But um, I literally have felt from the first day I walked into my office at Syracuse that I could sort of just look around and feel like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I get paid to do this for a living. Mm-hmm. And for 20 years, I have felt that way every single day even on days when I've cried over losses or been upset about, you know, a perceived failure of mine or something, you know, with a player not reaching a goal or there's a lot of flows in this profession, but never, you know, have I shaken from that. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I get paid to do this. Um, And what I, one, one thing I really learned from my father who did a lot of interesting things in his career is he always, you know, told me he essentially, you know, he worked in all three branches of government, um, he said he never looked and thought about the next job or the next job or the next job. It wasn't, he wasn't like planning ahead. He just really tried to be passionate about what he was doing. And then all these different kind of interesting opportunities came up. And I, I, I like to think that's how I've approached it. I would have never thought, you know, in 1999, that I'd be the head coach at the number one public university in the world, you know, Cal Berkeley, you know, my gosh, um, (laughs) I I don't know. I, I, I didn't have it planned that far in advance. Um, let alone have kept having coached in a final four or been a part of the lives of so many people that were in my wedding or at my wedding last, last year. So yeah. it's been beyond my wildest dreams. Um, and at the same time, I can also say, gosh, I feel like this feels so natural. You know, it just has been a natural progression. I, I've been very fortunate to have people. I, I connected with good people early. Someone like Joanne Boyle who opened doors for me, who gave me experiences, right? someone like Charmin Smith, who's been my associate head coach now for eight years mm-hmm. here, right? I've connected with really good people. Um, but I think I've just sort of approached each day like, wow, I'm really fortunate to have this job and has opened up opportunities along along the way that I'm really grateful for. But I wouldn't have written this story in 1999 by any means. Yeah, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, and I'm sure a lot of success still to come. Um, I always end these these conversations with coaches um, and, and just kind of get out of the way and, and – let you talk about your team, about your program, whatever you want. Uh, Cal Berkeley, women's basketball, someone who doesn't know it at all, or maybe someone who thinks they know about it. What's, what's something, a message that you would like to leave people uh, about your program? I think I can say right now, if I was you know, talking to the community, and I, and I mean this, like, 
come see us play this year or you'll be missing out. Like it's a really special group and they don't come around every single year, you know, and, and, and part of it's talent and part of it's the feel of the group. But, you know, we have a first round WNBA pick who's a senior. If she was a guy, Christina Nigue averaged, you know, almost 20 and 10 her freshman year. If she was a guy, she'd be, you know, a third year player in the NBA this year. But in women's basketball, they stay four years. So not only is she a great talent where she's going to end up as the all-time leading scorer at Cal and things like that, but we get to see them grow and mature over the years. So now she's a senior who has matured from that freshman who just scored a lot, you know, and got some rebounds, right? Um, And in addition to that, we have players and guards around her who are more exciting and, and, and capable, I think, than we've had in quite some time. We have a chemistry and a mix um, that feels really fun. There's just there's just a, a fun feel about this group, and I think that when people um, latch on to women's basketball, they're never disappointed, and, and you know that, Blake. Like I see you on social media kind of pushing that a lot. This is one of those teams that if you watch us and if you come along for the ride, and we're very open to have people come with us. We're transparent with our process. Like, jump on board because I can't say exactly where that train's going to go. But I really have that feeling that it's a, a special group who's going to who's going to do some some pretty good things. And awesome. that's as, as passionate, passionately as I can say it. Yeah. Um, you know, Asia Thomas um, is another senior who, you know, has started pretty much every game here since her freshman year and has gone through some hard times. You know, we lost some games and the cool thing at that time might have been to transfer and she didn't do that. And now she's the leader of a team who I think, you know, could win 25 games or so. Um, and and that's pretty cool, right? And, and, and just the different pieces that we've put together, I think, formulate a team that, that is worth your time to come out and watch. Awesome. Well, you guys open up your season at home November 6th against a good Houston team and then and hit the road. Yep. And, and I certainly... Uh, wish you the best of luck. You know how I feel about you guys and about you, and, and I really appreciate you taking the time and being so transparent. I really do appreciate it, Coach. Thanks. So you can make a trip to the Bay. Come make a trip to the Bay and watch some basketball. You, you can catch a couple games in a weekend. Okay. I'll, I'll try to do that. Yeah. You uh, you, right. you set out the itinerary. Um, I like to eat, so you take care of that aspect, and I'll, I'll try to make it happen. Sounds good. All right, Coach. Thanks so much. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks again to Cal Head Coach Lindsey Gottlieb for joining me this morning. I am guilty sometimes of repeating certain phrases, but I really genuinely am excited to watch them play this year. I feel like I've said that about other teams, but but really, they have so much coming back. Uh, I think that they've got a chance, just like Lindsey said, to, to be pretty special. So I'm... I am very optimistic about Cal this year, and I'm excited to to watch them play. Thanks so much to you for listening, whether it's on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. If you listen on iTunes, if you could leave a review and rating, that would be greatly appreciated. You can find me on Twitter, at Blake Dudonis. Always there for your comments and thoughts on everything. And I'm excited to have started this Pac-12 preview. So we'll be in your listening device again soon with another episode but until then this is the jump around